Welcome to Lorica, the podcast of Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. St. Patrick's is a parish in the Antiochian Orthodox Christian Archdiocese of North America, serving the Western Rite. Father Patrick is also the administrator of the Orthodox West. Marriage is uh, the state of being united as a spouse in a consensual and contractual relationship recognized by law. So says Webster. I think all of us here this morning will recognize this definition of marriage doesn't even come close to telling us what marriage really is. If we desire a good and a fulfilling and a beautiful marriage, it is very important for us to understand what marriage is. It's only after we understand what marriage is that we will know how to be married. If we're going to experience a beautiful marriage down here on the ground in the trenches of life, we need to have a clear vision of marriage in the sky, so to speak, of this grand and elevated meaning, the true meaning of marriage, as God has created it to be. We need a proper theology of marriage in order to know how to love one another in the concrete day-to-day of our life through the joys and the sorrows, the disappointments, the trials, and the joy, and the revelries. In our epistle lesson this morning, which is appointed for the nuptial mass, St. Paul gives us just what we need in this regard. In 11 verses, he describes what marriage is in terms of a profound and divine mystery, on the one hand, and he also gets really practical and tells us what this mystery looks like in the trenches of daily life. He tells us how to be married. He begins in verse uh, 11, or verse 22, I think, by saying, wives, be subject to your, well, When I got to that point, actually, as I was thinking about this, the thought occurred to me whether this was a good idea to preach on this passage. I also wondered, I wonder how many priests actually do preach on this passage from our epistle this morning. I doubt very many in the last few decades, at least. You may not realize it, but this is probably the most controversial passage in all of Paul's writings, maybe the New Testament. It draws really sharp criticism and condemnation for our dear apostle. But after stewing on it for a day or so, I thought to myself, well, the wisdom of God is foolishness to man. And there is an obvious reason why this passage is appointed for the marriage mass. It really does teach us the profound mystery and meaning of marriage. And it teaches us how to live out that mystery in a very concrete, practical, and beautiful way. I thought it'd be a shame to continue avoiding it, just so we don't ruffle feathers. I also thought that avoiding controversy would not be very Christ-like. So, you're special this morning. (laughs) You're going to get a sermon on this epistle lesson. (laughs) Now, it really would take hours to fully exegete this passage, so I'm just going to do my best to touch 
on a few aspects of Paul's teaching. It begins with an instruction to wives, which has in our day become very inflammatory. The first thing that I want to point out is that in Paul's day, this instruction to wives, the first part of it, would not have been provocative in the least, not at all. In fact, the real inflammatory instructions that he gives are spoken to the husband, not the wife. He begins, wives, be subject to your husbands. As I said, that would not have shocked Paul's audience, that a wife was subject to her husband. That was a given in his society, by culture, by custom, by law. By law, wives were subject to their husbands. They had no choice in Paul's day. And we get so hung up on that phrase, because of our modern sensibilities, that we miss the real point Paul is getting to, which comes in the second clause. He says, the way that you relate to your husbands is as unto the Lord. As unto the Lord. And that's the real point. You know, if I said to you on your way to the reception after the Mass today, I'd like for you to, it's important for you to drive in the right lane. Okay. Of course. It's important for you to drive in the right lane because Jesus drives in the right lane. Nobody's going to get worked up about me saying to drive in the right lane, although you might want to have a further discussion about the reason I've given why. It's the same thing with Paul when he says, wives, be subject to your husbands. This was just like me telling you to drive in the right lane. It wasn't provocative at all. Paul is teaching in this whole passage that the way a husband and a wife relate to one another is dictated by the deep and mystical nature of what marriage is. He is not instructing wives to happily comply with the cultural and legal norms of the day. That is not his point. A true sacramental Christian marriage is a domestic church. It is the manifestation between a man and a woman of the bond of love which exists between the head and the body, between Jesus Christ and his church. And a marriage, a godly marriage, functions and flourishes according to the same grace that governs how we, as the body of Christ, love our head, Jesus Christ, in obedience. Authority, in the sense of servant leadership, is foundational and necessary in all divinely appointed relationships. It even exists within the Godhead. And if a marriage is going to be godly, good, and beautiful, it will exist there as well. And it's not only St. Paul that teaches this. St. Peter writes in one of his epistles, saying, therefore submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, for this is the will of God. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh, for this is commendable. St. Paul also writes, Slaves, obey your human masters with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. uses the same phrase. This same principle is also essential to the peace of our life in the church. As we read in Hebrews, Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. For they watch out for your souls as those who must give an account. Let them do so with joy and not with grief. 
for that would be unprofitable for you. We are dealing here, and what Paul's getting at, is a metaphysical reality, which is actually rooted in the triune God. It runs through the fabric of all relations. St. Paul makes this clear again to the Romans, saying, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. The emphasis in this passage is not wives be subject to your husbands. That's a given. Just as you are subject to your bishop, I am subject to the bishop, you are subject to me, we obey the traffic laws. The emphasis here is wives be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. Because as Paul goes on to explain, marriage is a great mystery which manifests the relationship of love between Christ and his church. And in a marriage, the husband has the responsibility of the head and the wife fulfills the role of the body. Now it's very important that St. Paul's instruction to the wife to show deference to the leadership of her husband, who is the priest of his domestic church, must be read in context with what else Paul has to say in this passage. We must not abuse this or take it out of context as some sort of proof text, which is often done. His instruction to the wife is actually greatly tempered by two other things he has to say. First, in the verse immediately before this admonition, which you didn't hear this morning, the admonition where he says to submit, he says the admonition to the wife, so in verse 21, he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So while there's a particular instruction to the wife, there's a general instruction of mutual submission which governs all of our relationships. That's first. Secondly, Paul goes on to lay a much heavier burden in this passage and his teaching in marriage on the husband. A much heavier burden. With authority comes more responsibility. And the husband will answer a more severe judgment before God than the wife. Just as the priest and the bishop will suffer a harsher judgment for their role as shepherds of the flock because they have been given and entrusted with authority, which means responsibility. Let me give you a little data on this passage just to illustrate the disproportion. There's roughly 235 words in this passage. Instructing wives and husbands on the meaning of a godly and practical marriage. Forty of those words, give or take, are directed toward the wife. 195 of those words towards the husband. In those instructions, she is told to show deference to her husband as to Christ, just as all of us in society are to show deference to the king, those of us in the church instructed to show deference to the bishop and the priest, just as we would to Christ, just as the son himself shows deference to the Father within the Godhead because this is how all relationships, good and beautiful, function according to God. The husband, on the other hand, is told in far stronger and more radical language, especially for Paul's day, that he must sacrifice his very life, that he must die for his wife, and so play the role of Christ in this relationship. The very same thing the bishop and priest are to do in relation to their flock. 
St. Paul is not advocating misogyny. Harsh, authoritarian, authoritarian rule over women and children was in fact the norm in Paul's day. I mean, you could put your wife away for anything. You didn't need a cause. Throw her out into the street. That was the norm, the acceptable norm in culture and law. Paul's instruction to the wife is not scandalous, but his instruction to the husband was. St. Paul's teaching on marriage was in fact a tectonic cultural shift. And it resulted, it had a lot to do with the vast numbers of women, many more initially than men, that flocked to Christianity because of his teaching. He was not a misogynist, as he is accused of being in our day. His teaching elevated the dignity of women in the culture of the kingdom of God, and it actually laid far greater weight on the husband. If we're going to experience the true beauty and goodness of marriage, we have to pattern our lives and our marriages on Christ and his church, head and body. And we do that by following St. Paul's instruction. He sums up the whole passage saying, Nevertheless, each one of you must also love his own wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to Father Patrick Cardine, pastor of St. Patrick's Orthodox Church in Bealton, Virginia. This has been a production of the Orthodox West.